Lifestyle Podcast. Interviewing the world's industry leaders on their journey. Hello and welcome along to the Candy Pants Lifestyle Podcast. I'm Nick and a little bit of good news and bad to start the episode this week. Bad news, we still don't have much of a budget for this podcast. So that means we still haven't been able to find a more capable presenter. Piers Morgan, Ant and Deck and even Lorraine Kelly were all too expensive. So unfortunately for you, you're going to have to make do with me. Sorry about that. But the good news is, it's actually only taken me about 20 attempts to record this intro, which is a big improvement on the almost 50 it took me to record the intro for episode one. This week, we speak to Vicky Patterson, who burst onto our screens back in 2011 as Queen of the Jaeger Bombs on Geordie Shaw, before being crowned Queen of the Jungle, winning I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Vicky tells us what it's really like growing up in the spotlight and dealing with fame for almost a decade. This is the brilliantly open and very honest journey of Vicky Patterson. Oh, by the way, this episode does contain some adult themes and a couple of naughty words, so you have been warned. Vicky, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Do you know what it is? And I've thought about this. So you're the first guest that we've had to like send questions to an agent. So I feel like you're like <laughs> our first big hitter. <laughs> no, I, I'm obviously just the first really awkward person you've had. That's what this is. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it is? It got me thinking, I think you would be such a good agent. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> Do you know what? That's such a common misconception, right? Everyone thinks I'm this complete tough nut. Um, and I think probably in the past I have I have been forced into situations where I've, I've been probably quite ballsy. But like I've, something happened as I got older, and I think this happens to the best of us. I've literally just mellowed so much. Um, and I hate confrontation. Like, honestly, I can't stand saying no to people. I'm such a people pleaser. I'll do anything for an easy life. So, yeah, 10 years ago, Vicky, oh, God, she would have been like a dog with a bone. Have her as an agent. Vicky in her 30s, no, she'll get nothing done. <laughs> so I'm just too late on that. You know, it's worrying. I was going to say, have you got me questions? Because that was my next question. <laughs> what's your biggest misconception? And you bloody have got me questions. <laughs> I have got them, but there's a couple of misconceptions about me. I think that I'm a seriously tough person is probably one of them. I mean, I, I can be tough, but also I'm incredibly vulnerable and sensitive. And I, I like I've spent years trying to like to toughen up and, and to be hard and to be really strong. And actually, like, again, as you get older, you just completely you stop fighting who you are. You stop fighting everything. Yeah. Like I've accepted my body shape. I've accepted um the, the sort of the type of person I am and it's just such a it's a really liberating experience I think so yeah there's a, there's a couple of things that people would assume about me that they probably might have been right at one point but are certainly not right now <laughs> Vicky you've totally thrown us because I had this big idea that you know the idea <laughs> is that we've got to try and like grow this podcast and obviously it's literally the smallest podcast in the world probably right now but obviously the idea is to get bigger and I thought that, you know, it's very unlikely, but if there ever was demand for me to, you know, like open a Greg's or a post office, 
or something that I was like, oh, Vicky be such a good agent if I can get us signed in early that I'm, I'm started, I'm prepared for when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I'd be the death of my career, babe. Like, I'm still, I've, I have enough on me plate trying to focus on my own, but I would definitely introduce it to my agent. She's actually, uh, can me for saying this, but she's a real bulldog when she has to be. So. What makes a good agent? You tell me that. I've, over the years, had various different agents. I, I really... I think um, if you ask anybody in the industry, the the best way to sort of do it is to almost Goldilocks it. Like you could be super lucky and just find this one incredible person who you gel with and works hard for you and just nail it on the first go. But that is incredibly rare. Um, I was with someone um, who MTV set me up with first and she just was not interested in me at all. I think... um, I think, and I remember this really vividly, being in a meeting with her where I was sort of saying like, where do you see my career going and blah, blah, blah. And she got a call from Jess Wright, who she was also looking after with. And she stood up from the table and walked away and took the call from Jess Wright and and left me sitting there mid-sentence. Um, and I just remember in that moment thinking like, I am, you've got no foresight. You don't yeah. think I'm going anywhere. You completely like underestimating anything I could be capable of and focusing on someone who, in your opinion, at this moment in time is bigger and more important. And I don't want that. So of course she didn't last long. I've, I've always known what I wanted. Um, so she didn't last long. The next agent I found myself was an incredible, was the total opposite end of the spectrum. Like I was one of his biggest clients and he was so sensitive and so kind. And he was, he was very, um, very funny and, and seeing that I had a little bit more to offer than I suppose what people typically thought Geordie Shaw people had to yeah. offer. Um, but he was part of a big company and he was salaried. A lot of people might not know this. Agents um, predominantly work on commission, which is where they get their hunger. It's where they get their drive. If you aren't earning, they aren't earning. So the yeah. more you work, the more they earn. Um, it's, it's ruthless. What even um, is your job title now? <laughs> I normally just, so whenever I go to Australia or um, sort of anywhere further afield and you have to write your job for your visa, I always just put media I work in the media because yeah. otherwise like it just starts some really awkward conversations at um, customs that I just can't bear. So yeah, Listen, um, I just try, try opening a bank account with an email that uh-huh. ends at candy pants. Oh, account stop it. In Dubai. <laughs> I God. honestly can't. The looks are I good. can't see a thing. I was <laughs> Princess Vicky. Yes, everyone's got a solid hotmail back from MSN days. (laughs) I only changed mine like a year ago. So honestly, this whole new mature person is is very, very... I love it when you get get a CV or something. It's really good CV, really nicely done. Then it's like sexy app underscore 69 at hotmail. Yes. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Just makes you human. (laughs) So, like, so we're going to like skip change a little bit here. But one thing I've heard you say is obviously you've achieved like loads, like so much over the years. But I've heard you say that you sometimes feel like you didn't, you, for whatever reason, you don't deserve it. Like, is there a reason you think that, or why do you think that? Um, I think. Um So I've self-diagnosed um, right. myself with imposter syndrome like I've not been to see anyone this is not a medical opinion this is just me like assuming (laughs) based on my my opinion of myself like 
I never feel like I deserve to debate the fancy awards or to get the shows I do or to move in the circles I do and meet the people I do. Why though? Why not? (laughs) It's a really weird one. I think um, starting from something like Geordie Shaw, which is ultimately car crash TV, we were... And I felt this, like, re- I'm very sensitive, so I really felt this. Um, we were always sort of the underdogs, like, the one... Nobody wanted to be really in their magazines at first, and nobody wanted to endorse on their brands at first, and the press didn't like her, the people in Newcastle didn't like her. And I think feeling those things for a prolonged period of time, it, it's going to do something to your self-esteem. And uh, it did two things to me. It made me even more determined to succeed than I had ever been before um but it also left like a real kind of a real mark that I was never actually going to be good enough and I always struggled to shake the things that people would say in the early days because ultimately I believed a lot of them to be true deep down the way we behave the way I was behaving wasn't great my parents weren't proud like and I think when you see a grain of truth in the things that others are saying it just hits you that much harder so where I am now I'm feeling incredibly grateful and of course incredibly lucky to be here but I'll never stop striving to prove that I'd deserve to be there also prove to myself that I deserve to be there so it's a bit of a difficult place to be up in my mind <laughs> Did you, have you ever had a point that you've suddenly gone you've gone you know what maybe I maybe I actually am all right to be here maybe I have earned my seat at this table <laughs> um winning the jungle was like a huge huge accolade and a real pivotal moment in my career um was that because that... it maybe felt like you know like nationwide acceptance or yeah, 110%. you got to think, like, when I went in there, um, I obviously didn't say this because I was in the jungle bubble, but when I came out, everybody told me Twitter just kicked off with something like 85% of people being like, who is she? Get her out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to ruin it. We don't want this reality TV scum, like, all this sort of stuff. And, w- like, that was everybody's instant reaction. And I'm not mad about it. Like, I absolutely couldn't blame them again they had preconceived notions of me and what I was going to be like and they thought I was going to ruin the lovely British institution of TV that is the jungle with I don't know swearing or slut dropping or demanding Jaeger bombs whatever they thought (laughs) I was going to be was not was not what they got um within 24 hours I was the favorite to win and I stayed that way till the very end to be able to take an entire nation's opinion of you and change it in one fell swoop is something that no other show enables you to do other than the jungle and I'll always be grateful for it for giving me that opportunity does that happen to you a lot where maybe you go somewhere or you meet someone and they have a an, an idea of who they're expecting to meet and they meet someone different <laughs> yeah obviously like I've continued to work in this industry and um continued to diversify and ensure that I have versatility but people are often shocked I did Celebrity Masterchef last year and um people but isn't that you know what's funny about that sorry to jump in but like my mom I said oh mom I'm doing this podcast with uh, Vicky Patterson oh from Masterchef and isn't that funny that someone from a completely (laughs) different era that's what she knows you for she knows you for you in the jungle and I suppose the Vicky that maybe you were so tied up in from Jolly Shaw she doesn't even know no, I know. It's it's a really lovely, like, and I think that is what is so nice about the the longevity I've had with my career, like 10 years going on now, like, is that I am able to, to um, 
sort of appeal to different age groups and demographics through the different shows I've done. I think, yeah, yeah bless your mom. She's, she's, she sounds so canny. She's, she's one of many. Oh, like, self loves you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, there's uh, so many. I, I go shopping in Marks and Spencer's. I've got a Marks and Spencer's on the high street. And I just was there yesterday, and there's this little woman. She's not old by any stretch of imagination. She might be like 50, 60s. And she just looked uh-huh. up and she went, Oh, God, it's you. And that would have been like five years ago, followed by something like, my kids love you, but I wouldn't dare watch that shite. <laughs> but it was followed by like, oh God, it's so nice to know you're just as nice in real life as you are on the telly. And honestly, I could cry, man. When people say things like that to us, I could cry. Because it's obviously she's seen us on MasterChef or something and she thought she seems quite cute and fun. And then she's met us in real life and I've not let her down, you know what I mean? Yeah. What's, <laughs> how is your kind of, how has it been for you going out in Newcastle I don't know how often you do that now but how different is what the reaction you get in somewhere like Marks and Spencer's now to what maybe you got <laughs> five six years ago oh um so I moved out of Newcastle like a long time ago um I uh, god I've, I've been living away now for about six years I've lived down mm-hmm. south for um I'm based in Essex now um but I do still have a place up north in Gosworth and it will always still be my home um I just don't get there as often as I would like, unfortunately, with all the work being down here. Um, whenever I go out now, like, obviously, New, Newcastle, and I'm sure that most people will have no problem except admitting this, they absolutely hated work as a TV show and as individuals. Um, and it was really difficult to be so proud of where you were from um, yeah. and feel such a palpable animosity whenever you were there. Um people were very protective of their city, which I completely understand and deemed what we were doing to be having a really negative impact on the way people viewed it. Um, we were just kids. And I think I was like 21, 22, maybe is when I started. And my youngest was like 18. Like that's yeah. an awful lot of criticism and weight to take on your shoulders at that age. Um, especially when like we were just excited and doing what, producers and sort of it's sort of, sort of led what to do do you know what I mean I think yeah. it was a really difficult time to to feel to feel hated by a community that you loved so much so to be able to go back now and, and be associated with Ant and Depp for winning the jungle and be associated with like Greg Rutherford or a sort of <laughs> Razor Ruddock and people like I did MasterChef yeah. with to just be that person that people actually want to admit it's from Newcastle. It's it's a, yeah. it's a, a really nice, it's a really nice change. I've got to... Have you had, a, have you had a thing where maybe you've gone into Phoenix or wherever and you've gone, oh, it's maybe different now? Was there, or was <laughs> there a moment where that happened? No, I mean, obviously, like, I think... I'm not saying it has to be Phoenix. Out. It could be Tuk Tuk or Lavelle or anywhere. <laughs> I had a girls' night out after I won the jungle. Uh, my sister organised it, and it was so lovely. Like we went to a Vika, and uh, we went up to Tuk Tuk. And I remember, like before, the only type of people who would come up to us were like, God, I just always, if anyone approached us, like I, I held my breath because it could have gone either way. Like I was constantly getting said things like, Oh God, I don't watch it. It's awful. But my son says you're on the telly. So can he have a picture? And I know yeah. the people didn't think that that was such a horrible thing to say, but God, it just used to hurt me so much. So I remember being on this night out and people stopping us and me just 
almost my entire body tensing up because I just thought what they're gonna say yeah and everyone was just so nice like well done you were amazing we loved you in the jungle what's that deck like and yeah. I had to go home it's so weird like I had to go home because I could not I was not I wasn't ready for that change in dynamic and I wasn't ready for that level of fame. I was really blindsided by it all. And um, I just went home in my concert and drank with my pals, I think, because I, I remember just feeling like, oh, I'm just, this is too much to change. Too, too much. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. But nonetheless, obviously really nice change. <laughs> so what were you like before Geordie Shaw? Was Geordie Shaw like, that is what you were before you went on? Or were you different? Did you become different when you went on there? Oh, um, so ultimately I try to stay really true to myself, but, um, I think the minute you walk onto Geordie Shaw, like you lose a sense of who you are and that's not, uh, uh, that's subjective. Each person will have had a different experience with this show. I'm just talking about myself. Um, I was a different person back then for starters. I was in my early twenties. I'd grown up in Newcastle working in nightclubs and bars. Um, I was pretty tough. I had a I'd had a pretty rough ride um, working, working in <laughs> on some ropes, etc. So yeah. um, I had a bit of I had a bit of an attitude problem, and I was definitely a feisty feisty girl. There's there's no denying that, and I would never deny that. Um, I could be a downright bitch, um, but I think the longer I spent on the show, the more like almost pigeonholed I became as a person. Um, yeah. And you all realize that you have a role to play and you either fight against that and become superfluous to requirements um, or you embrace it and you become an integral part of the show. And I really lent into my character. I was the, I was the bitch. I was the voice of reason. I was the yeah. straight talker, um, the man towards the end and at times there was real elements of who I even am now in the person that you saw on Geordie Shaw um I'm, I'm good fun I care about people I'm super loyal like I can be feisty but in other times I was just a complete caricature of myself um and I allowed myself to be totally swept up in an experience that was confusing and exciting and unknown to a 22 year old do you know so, yeah. what's funny like I think that probably I mean I was I mean I'm a little bit so I remember when um, when it all went on I was working with Candy Pants and Marbella and I remember right. gals coming out there and I'm saying you know Nick the hardest thing about it yeah. is the fact that wherever I go they want gas and he goes yeah I'm not gas all the time he goes like nobody um, ever kind of wants to know who Gary is if that makes sense <laughs> yeah, Geordie Shaw definitely um, created uh, caricatures rather than fully well-rounded individuals because 100 hours of footage goes into 42 minutes of show. So for 99 hours and 18 minutes, I could be sitting, giving someone advice or drinking a green tea or reading a book or doing a workout or just having a nap. But those things aren't great tv people don't want to watch them they want to see me they want to see me shout they want to see someone cry they want to see someone get fingered like this is the mentality of the people who yeah. are watching that show and it's absolutely fine it's car crash tv i completely get it if i hadn't been on it i would have been just as addicted to watching it as everyone yeah. at a certain age was but um what is difficult is distinguishing and, and learning where like Vicky from Geordie Shaw ends and where Vicky Patterson as a person begins. Um, and it's taken me sort of like 
five, six years now, maybe like six, seven, um, to, to establish like that I am not that person that people saw there and that um, I am grown up and I, I can be other things and there is versatility to me as a person and I can be kind and compassionate and fun and, 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 not, and not just that girl um, because I, I, I don't want everyone to see me and expect to have like a wild night out or expect me to yeah. constantly be downing drinks or shouting or <laughs> everyone, calling everyone a C word, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. one of those. So um, it is difficult and even being exactly who I am now which I think is very authentic um and really I'm, I'm an organic version of myself across all my social media channels across tv with you now it's the same person that I am when I'm on the sofa but it's a shiny version does that make sense like people get like when we're in a situation like this people get the best version um and it's sometimes well, it's like a first date isn't it almost yeah that's such a nice way it's that thing it, isn't like, it of being yeah. you know that's it. Yeah, you are just the, the best version of yourself. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I agree with Gary's sentiment seven years ago. You can't always be that version. You can't always be that person. There. It has to be down days. And there will be moments when, like, you don't feel like getting off a 12-hour flight and have someone recite Geordie Shaw quotes to you. Like, sometimes you are yeah. entitled to just be a little bit less than the shiny version people expect. But What was your, like families when you when you first went on Jolly Shaw and obviously people didn't know what it was when it started but once it's gone out and stuff like what was your like family's response like, aside from your friends and that but what was like your family's um, response to that um so we didn't know what we were letting ourselves in for I think the only shows that were vaguely similar to it that were on the tv at the moment were um Made in Chelsea and the only way is Essex like Towie um mm-hmm. so this the type of TV that Geordie Shaw was had not been made in the UK. Um, so we had no point of reference. So for me, mom, who always knew I wanted more than to just like sort of do a normal job, be a normal person. Like she always knew I was I was gonna want unpredictability and exciting in my life. We were excited at first. Um, but it, it quickly drew it quickly drove a wedge between us. Um, my mom's like the nicest person ever. She's always worked for charities. She's incre- incredibly kind and very proud of how she'd brought us up. And I think seeing a version of her daughter that she didn't recognize on TV, quite frankly, that I didn't recognize at the best of times, was hard for her. Hearing people call her child a monster was like super difficult. People who had used to be her friends and even some people who were her family avoided her because they just didn't know how to talk to her. I made my family's life really hard. And it, it, made my relationship with my family very difficult and I don't know we didn't recover for a long time um me and my mom are like best friends now but that hasn't been like an easy relationship um everything changed when I left Geordie Shaw and I sort of got back to being the person I had been before really fun quite light-hearted just a nice girl um but yeah Geordie Shaw wasn't an easy time for me and me, me family so you've been on so many different shows since. So obviously you've said about um, MasterChef, you've been on I'm Celebrity. How do you think kind of reality TV fame, and if that's the right term, is different now yeah. to maybe as it was when you went on, you know, when Geordie Shaw first came out? Um, I think people are a lot more savvy these days. Like I watch Love Island and I, I catch bits and pieces of like various shows on the TV and Netflix are doing this like too hot to handle thing at the moment. It's just really 
just a, another love island isn't it but i and, and bits of x on the beach and stuff and i think to myself like jesus christ like everyone knows what they want to be so once in a while you get like this incredibly authentic character who you everyone just falls for because it doesn't matter if you're a hero or a villain or if you cry all the time or if you're super strong or if you're a girl or if you're a boy but if you go on there and be unapologetically yourself somebody like people out there will identify with you and find you relatable and people won't be able to not fall in love with you so every once in a while you get someone like that like amber from last year's love love island for example she was impossible not to fall in love with because she was just herself and then you will watch someone who you think you've been watching too much reality tv you and you'll think you thought you were going to come on here and play this character and i don't know if it's because i have the experience and I've lived it and I can see their cogs turning or what but I look at it and think you are playing a part and I think reality TV these days and the people who are going on it are a lot more contrived we were just a do you think that's different the fact that you you were kind of just thrown into it you didn't know no one really knew what this kind of what reality TV could become but now obviously there's this kind of thing that oh I could go on Love Island and get some Instagram followers and I can get a brand thing out the other side of it do you think yeah, it's different think now that there's some go on with the the exception of this is what I expect to come out the other side? No, I think that's precisely it. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like, obviously, I can't really difficult to say who's in it for, who is like genuinely in it to find love, if it's Love Island or genuinely just after an experience, if it's Excellent Beach, whatever it is. But I think predominantly across the board, people have seen like the huge, um, the huge amazing life-changing things that can happen to you after something uh, like a big reality tv show and that is what people are aspiring to these days we were a bunch of of young kids who didn't know what we were getting ourselves in in for um now i think as an industry it's a lot more contrived but what did we expect you know what i mean like everything gets like this it's like remember big brother back in the day like it was yeah. so amazing and you didn't know what was going to happen and everyone was just in there to have a laugh and you've seen such genuinely amazing relationships but as time wore on everybody just was on big brother to play a game and to make like some money afterwards and Reality TV, it'll go the same, I'd imagine. I suppose one thing that's like a common, almost like a trendy question to ask about sort about these programs now is like, what support did you get because of like obviously all the horrible things that have happened with various people? Obviously, we all know about the Love Island ones, but do you, what support did you get? Because was was it was it a thing that people spoke about then? Right when you come out of this, it, it this could be quite difficult. Or was it never really, was that not on people's agenda at the time? I think you're, I think going back quite a long time ago, we didn't necessarily, um, trolling social media, all of these things were a very new, there was a new landscape. They're not as, they weren't as developed as they are now. So there's not the awareness and there's not things put in place as much as there is now to protect people like who, people like contestants on reality TV shows. Um, I've heard various members of the cast say they got all the support they needed. Um, and I've had various members of the cast say, heard, I've heard them say that they didn't. It's subjective. Um, I myself, I myself feel, um, that it was um, that we were all learning, that we were all learning. Like I was learning how to cope with a world that in a world that was changing and they were MTV were learning how to make a show like this. 
and how to look after their cast and also protect their own brand. And I know they've done Jersey now. Shore, but do you think they knew what was coming? So it's a totally different. Um, it's a totally different kettle of fish. Like that was done by MTV America. Right. Who, um, or although the umbrella company, obviously of MTV UK, they're all separate. Okay. So they would have had like I know certain people had to get signed off. For example, like the final tick definitely came from um, some big wig over in Australia, uh, over in America. But yeah. I, the all the decisions and all the 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 process was conducted by people in the UK who hadn't done anything like this before. I think it was just a huge, big gamble and a massive experiment for everybody. I mean, it, it paid off. You can't argue that, but there definitely were some casualties along the way. When before I knew, well, obviously when I knew I was going to speak to you, I was obviously looking through various things and start watching some live you're doing on Instagram and there's some girl called Angela. Angela's giving you a hard time saying, oh, you should come to me about some filler or whatever. <laughs> do you get used to that or do you just think oh my god this still hurts as much as it did the first time someone was ever horrible to me oh it's it, honestly Nick it's really conflicting like I saw I, I was like eh <laughs> I'm really proud of the fact that my face still looks like my face <laughs> well, well <laughs> there's two sides to it isn't it there's part of the side things yeah. well first of all she doesn't but second of all <laughs> what on earth makes you think that I say normal thing to write to someone I in a know, message I know um god I don't think you'll ever truly be okay with that like anybody who's like oh it's just water up a duck's back I think is either lying or I think um is really just super comfortable with who they are and what they have going on in their life like that's what I'm striving towards like I'm working of course for continued success um, but mostly just to be really happy and content so these things don't necessarily bother you I think the person saying them Angela wherever you are anybody else who writes negative things under someone's pictures or whatever I think they're unhappy and some people will never like you like that's what I've had to learn like some people are just never going to like you you can win all the jungles and you can be as adorable as you want on MasterChef and you can do as much charity work but some people will just not like you because your spirit your something that's in you shows them what isn't in them and it's it's hard for them to deal with that so they lash out and it's probably because they're unhappy so I think you've just got to think of it like that but I'd be lying if I said sometimes it didn't hurt me feelings like do you know if you were to give someone advice or say someone was going to go on one of these reality tv shows I guess there's two parts to this what (laughs) advice would you give to them about the tv show and then what advice would you give to them about how on earth you deal with this whole negativity you get on social media okay so the first one to anybody going on a reality tv show it would be please just be yourself because everybody else is taken like i am sick of tuning in to stuff and seeing like people who are quite clearly trying to be something that they've seen work for someone else it worked for someone else because that's who they were be you and you will be received well um and secondly there is just like no advice to give that works across the board for everyone when it comes to dealing with trolls I think everybody has their own way I know some people block I know some people argue back I know some people openly shame them um for me it just depends on the day I'm having but 
ultimately like know that what they are saying is no reflection on you take a deep breath and realize anything they're saying says so much more about them than it does about you and I think that's that's the crux of it these people are unhappy part of me doesn't want to ask this but the nosy part of me does (laughs) (laughs) is the one that's happened and you've gone nah this has gone too far now this is a real problem um so trolling like I'm actually super lucky now like obviously in the early days when I was making a really controversial show and I was a very controversial character things weren't easy and it was very hard for me to bite my tongue being the outspoken character that I was and I got myself into a lot of trouble um since growing up and and moving into more mainstream tv um I've just become a, a lot more savvy and a lot a lot more comfortable with who I am and I understand the game more so not for a long time has a troll really hurt my feelings I've got to be honest I laugh it off now more than I do anything else I think the press however is like a, a different um a different kettle of fish and there's some things like I absolutely won't stand for when it comes to the press um if anybody talks about my family there is just no yeah. way I will put up with it um how do you fight back to that though the press being it's not like you know you can reply to someone on instagram well it's it's actually like instagram i mean such a difficult relationship with social media that we all have but like it is it does super have its uses um i had like a really tough year a couple years ago and uh it was well documented. Everyone knew what I was going through. And like sort of right after that, I went to Mexico for my sister's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, it was difficult enough as it was because obviously I was meant to be getting married that year and everyone knew I was not anymore. But despite all that, like I couldn't have been happier for my sister. She's the best person I know. She's so much better than me. She's responsible and kind and loving um, and just everything you'd want your sister to be, I suppose. Um, and... I was, I posted a picture of her on our wedding day and it was her in a beautiful wedding dress and me and me, me best, well, like my best mate, Steph, who was our bridesmaid. Um, so all her bridesmaids, a maid of honor and her bridesmaids. And we were like edging in front of Laura in the picture. Um, I'd stood there because um, Laura asked us to stand there. It was a hot day. She was in a full wedding dress. Yeah. She'd got a bit, she'd got a bit sweaty. She was like, oh, just stand in front of me <laughs> arm, will you? Yeah. I was like, absolutely fine, babe. Like it was a, fucking Mexican beach like if you're not sweating you've got a problem so I did and I uploaded the picture and because of the time difference like we went and had a lovely wedding reception and I fell asleep and I woke up the next day to be top story on the Daily Mail an article completely constructed of people of people on Instagram who said how dare you take that moment away from your sister you couldn't even let your sister have that one moment on her wedding date you had to stand in front of her then and I was floored, Nick, because anybody who knows me knows I, I, I value family above anything else. And yeah. the implication that I would, like someone to suggest that I'd take the shine off her or try and make that moment about me, it just broke us. I keep Laura out of the press and I keep yeah. my, sister, like, my family out of the press because ultimately I chose the life I, I've got, not them. And if my mum chooses to be on the shows, like then that's great but I don't ever I don't ever force anyone because I don't want them to have to deal with the other things I have to deal with it's not the life Laura wants so for for me to see her wedding day reduced to that I fucking lost my temper and it's probably been the first time in like 
about four years, I could have actually said that I'd really lost my temper. I went on my Insta stories and I just ranted. And it was a real roller coaster. Like I didn't think about what I was going to say first. I didn't sit there and amend it and practice. I just said, how dare you all? How dare you all? take something that was so lovely and so beautiful and not even not even anything to do with you really but I share it because that's the job I've got and make it nasty and I just cried and it was awful it was the worst thing because that's something that nobody should spoil what effect do you think that's had on you like on you as a person that now you have to think about this kind of stuff when the picture goes on or when you are somewhere I don't mind how these things affect me. I I consider the trolling or um, sort of negative press or paparazzi or whatever uh, to be a very small, like, price I have to pay for such a very charmed life. Like, I'm really grateful for what I've got. The only time I do get protective and angry is when it will affect me family or friends. It's not a life they've chose, and people should be respectful of that. Yeah. If you had the choice again to be famous or not, what would you pick? I never wanted to be famous. I always just wanted to be rich. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I still just want to be really rich. So this is the vehicle that I chose to get me here. And I really can't complain. I've got such a nice life filled with lovely people. And there are very few downsides to it. So I would happily take my lumps again. Maybe it's just make a couple small changes along the way, knowing what I know now. Do you know what? Someone said this to me, and I think what you've said there makes so much sense. Someone said, do you know what the best type of fame is? Being a DJ. Because you get <laughs> all the fame, and the only yeah. people who know you, as a general rule, like you. Yeah. Like, marshmallow lad, that kid who wears the marshmallow on his head, God knows what it's about. <laughs> the only people who probably knows what he looks like are his massive fans no one's given him a hard time no no he has such an easy life I mean obviously there's definitely some exceptions to the rule but I I mean if you can have money and anonymity I think that's the way to go definitely god that's why I could never understand this made in Chelsea lot I just thought surely if your dad owns my city you can back and enjoy it what are you doing <laughs> you've already got it shut up yeah. Why do you want all of this unnecessary? Ah, God damn it. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you about, because I actually, I genuinely really like this. And I've, mm. I've sort of seen you do it and thought, I wonder why or what is the, I kind of know why, but what is the real logic behind it? This whole thing about Instagram now where you do the ad post or whatever you've got to do where you look immaculate. And then you just do normal Vicky in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instagram. I love it I think it's the best I genuinely have got so much time for this I think it's so important but I kind of want to know why why you do it um so I mentioned before a couple of years ago I had this like super difficult year where it just felt like my life was falling apart my best friend died um my relationship broke down and I lost my grandma and it's taken me like a long time to be able to reel them off without crying like that so um I had spent and so many years cultivating this image of strength and positivity and um I didn't have the energy anymore I had this year where I I couldn't put on that brave face um and subsequently me Instagram became a place of of proper honesty and authenticity um and these organic posts 
the um at first were like such a bone of contention for me I was like oh my god you sound like you're having such a pity party like god come on pull it together like people don't want to say this but actually it was exactly what people wanted to say they wanted to say um maybe human they after all like that's what we all are people just want to know that they're not alone um and we're going through all of this together like even now more so than ever we need to know we're all in this together so yes I mean there are some amazing women who wake up at 8 a.m do a sunrise yoga class drink a green juice give birth to an avocado and are absolutely (laughs) fantastic do like zoom calls with 12 mates and a quiz take care of their kids homeschool's a dream blah, blah 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 I'm not that woman. I wake up late. I want a bacon sandwich. I definitely cry at some point. There's stains on me jamas. And um, sometimes I get a little bit cranky. So I just think the more honesty we show each other, the more um, the more open we are, the more dialogues we encourage. And it's just so nice to feel like we're not in this together and you're not alone. So that's why I'm honest on social media. I love the answer. And it's as if... I mean, it was probably the most perfect answer you could have given. You know, we talk about different sides to different people and like something that I've spent over the last year, I've like, done various things. And I kind of really got into this thing about someone called Brené Brown, who does loads of stuff. Oh, about, she's amazing, um, right? This is kind of what I, you started saying, all vulnerability, vulnerability. So I thought about that. And what is it that was there? A, what was it that brought you to this point? By the way, bringing up Brené Brown, she's got an amazing um, metaphor about how to deal with trolls. You heard of it? The gladiator. Is this to do with the gladiator? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I, it's it's basically, so I didn't get it from Brene Brown. I got it from my life coach who was a big fan of her. Um, but he in particular said um, that I'm the one, so not me in particular, but you out there, you are Nick, I am everyone. We are the ones who are fighting the good fight. We're putting ourselves out there we're the ones who are working hard we're the ones who are trying to be better and be make something of ourselves and it's always going to be the people who don't know what you're going through who are in the cheap cheap seats who are shouting advice and I see it as you know when like um a boxer's on the telly and he's taking a fucking battering and there's some like <laughs> everybody becomes an expert yeah overweight 45 year old fella in the pub with a beer belly and he's going what's he fucking doing that for he should have done this if I'd have been in there if you'd have been there mate you'd be on the canvas <laughs> yeah. you'd have been on five minutes ago we all know that so it's that mentality it's these people who are sort of trying to drag you down they, they don't know necessarily what you're going through and don't let the people in the cheap, cheap seats affect you fighting the good fight. I think that's what I took from it, Nick. Right, so let's, you've got me questions. So you might tell us where we are. Fun. Okay. <laughs> oh, my right. gosh. Okay, hang on. Let me find your questions. <laughs> Talking about fame, do you still get starstruck? And if yes, by whom? Uh, uh, yes. Um Oh, I found your questions. Uh, yes, I do still get started. Jesus Christ, like when you are walking the halls at an ITV and you're bumping into people who you've grown up watching on TV, like it's impossible not to. I know when I did The Jungle, like I didn't know this till after, but like I was obviously so buzzing to be anywhere near Ant and Deck because they're just such big yeah. heroes. They pulled me aside at the after party and they were like, I was like, fucking hell, lads, you could have gave it away that I was doing all right. Like, I didn't know how I was doing anything. They were like, are you joking? They were like, we got in trouble from, like, the big bosses because people were ringing up and complaining, saying we were favouring you because you were from Newcastle. I was like, no. They were like, yeah, honestly, people were saying, like, we were, like, obvious favouritism. He's like, we had to pull back, fake. I was like, shit. So <laughs> I, um, I've, I've never really gotten over stuff like that um, and to mix with, like, such amazing amazing people like I do like I love 
Keith Lemon, I think he's incredible. Holly Willoughby, Phil Schofield, to sit on a sofa with those guys. Like these people make up the British institution of television, and I get to I get to spend time with them sometimes. So no, I'll never get over that. I think the big one for me, I, I bumped into Helen Mirren, right, um, at, in this morning, and um, she was just as lovely as you'd imagine. So yeah, I, I lost my shit. Um, she's surrounded by so many like ex SES bodyguards, and I was like, can I please just be out? <laughs> So, I mean, probably we're getting towards the end now, as you know, because you've got the questions, as we've said. But I think for most people who maybe went on, as we said about people who go on maybe reality TV now and they've got a goal to come out, probably to have a career like yours is probably a lot of people's goal. So what's the goal for you now? Like, um, where do you want to go? So I've been trying for a lot of years to practice like gratitude and acceptance and like a real sort of sense of contentment for where you are because Mm -hmm. for too many years I was like racing through life not appreciating what I had always just wanting the next best thing so ultimately like I am learning to be really content and grateful for where I'm at now um and it's difficult because I'm a very ambitious person um and I, I do I'm impatient always want the next thing but at the moment I'm completely content with who I am and what I'm doing I'll always strive for something better and always want the next best thing and always be a little bit nosy about everyone else's grass but I'm trying at the moment to just be content with my grass and continue to strive for what I want next so the last two questions again as you can see on your sheet that you've probably got in front of you <laughs> if you could have a dinner party you can invite four people, whoever they are, alive or dead. Uh-huh. Who do you want to invite? Um, so number one is um, such a cliched answer, but like, hear me out. So Marilyn Monroe. And it's right. not because I'm like super keen on the conspiracy theories. I don't want to know if she shagged JFK. I'm not interested. But I mean, obviously, if it comes up, great. <laughs> Ultimately, I just think she's a really progressive woman. Her attitudes towards feminism were so, so ahead of our time. And her... Um, her mentality on uh, body image and body positivity like those things like her attitude and the stance she took on them back then like it's progressive to think of the way she was not if she was in today's day and age so I find her incredibly iconic and a bit of a hero so 110% Marilyn um definitely get JK Rowling in there and like such a huge fan like that's quite a wild card I would say I think people might be surprised by that Honestly, well, she's so um, legendary on Twitter. Her comebacks are second to none. Um, apart from that, she's known extreme struggle and sacrifice and now is so successful and creative. Um, but the main reason I want to meet her is I read the other day she's recently lost her billionaire status. Um, she has given so much money to charity. She's no longer able to be classed as a billionaire. And like any woman with... Um, a flan- like any woman who's like that has that level of philanthropy I just I've got to take my hat off too so yeah I, I would like to learn from someone like that definitely I think would be we'd have some good conversations if you're going to lose uh, billionaire status that's the way to lose it isn't it let's be honest 110 like think of how many fellas have lost it through divorce you're all embarrassing <laughs> she's gone and done it the right way um and then who else do I love oh yeah um Barack Obama um yes. I just really love his vibe. And I mean, if he's going to come, you've got to have Michelle. I need to know how she gets arms like that. <laughs> Amazing. So, final question. 
if you could give some advice, but I'll change it up actually because you've got the question in front of you. Oh, Rather okay, than you giving some advice to Vicky, who's just come out of Geordie Shore, I would love to know. Like, if you could speak to her, you give her a quick phone call. What yeah. would you try to say to her now? What advice would you give her? So everyone assumed that that girl was like super angry and very volatile, and the fact is, like, she was just a really lost little girl. Um, and I think if I could give her any advice, not that she would have taken it, she would have thought she knew best, but um, it would just be that to relax. And you don't have to be so defensive all the time. Like, yes, like there are, there are some people who aren't going to like you, but you're not going to be able to change their mind. Just relax and trust in who you are and stop trying to be so brave and tough. Because actually your vulnerability and your sensitivity and your kindness are what people are going to end up loving about you. <laughs> So there you go. A very honest insight into fame from the brilliant Vicky Patterson. That also brings us to the point of the podcast where, strangely, I tried to get you to listen to a different one. But it is one of ours, so I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Candy Pants Radio is now live with all of the latest music. You just need to search Candy Pants in the search bar of wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to please, please, please click subscribe to this little podcast. And as always, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you all very soon.